You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Let's get to the show. Welcome back, everyone. I am Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. Thank you so much for joining us here at our weekly meeting, if you will. It is so great to have you back for episode 11. This is awesome. We are moving right along through the year. I can't believe that we're already halfway through March. And it's very apropos that today, I'm shooting this on a Sunday evening here in my house in Hollywood, California, and I am merely half a mile away from the biggest drinking spots in Hollywood. Probably, if you were to take the area I I live in, the most bars in a condensed area in this entire city lay less than a half a mile to a mile from my house, and today is St. Patrick's Day. And I'm sure for many of you who have stepped into sobriety and recovery, and for those of you new or old, old timers, new timers, newbies, greenpeas, whatever you want to call yourself, no doubt you got your using on during a St. Patty's Day holiday. And for me, um, really, I mean, I could have made a drinking holiday out of Flag Day. It It didn't really matter, right? It's like... You know, I used to find reasons to drink when Instagram or Twitter said that it was National Pancake Day. Uh, it didn't really matter why. It, was, it didn't matter why. It didn't matter what. It didn't matter who. You know, finding out it was somebody's birthday was a great reason to go out and drink, especially in college. But I didn't really need a reason. I knew I was. I knew it was going to happen, and I knew it was going to be a lot, and I knew it was going to happen fast and hard, and I was going to race to a blackout. I mean, that's a, that's what I did. I almost said that's what we do, but I can't speak for you. I can only speak for me. And so as I'm sitting here, you know, and, I, and I'm very active on Instagram. If you haven't checked out the page at at, uh, at From Sobriety to Recovery, um, by all means, please do. It's the name of the show. It's also my Instagram handle. There's a Facebook page as well, but I'm very active, very, very active on Instagram. I'm growing the community. Uh, I love being able to support people there. And now, on that page, I'm not seeing much about anything as far as drunken um, melees and soirees going on for St. Patty's Day. But if I go over to my Jesse Mogul account, um, there I'm starting, I'm seeing people go out and I'm seeing people doing things and people posting. Um, it's not as ple- prevalent. Um, I almost said plethora. It's not as prevalent as it would have been 10 years ago. Being in my early 40s, uh, most of my friends, uh, even when, even the ones that got into college at the tail end of my college experience, which lasted 12 years, and I'm not a doctor, um, they're all you know married with babies now. So St. Patty's Day doesn't hold the same, but it's not too hard to click you know on the hashtag and, and see what's going on and everyone's wearing green in my neighborhood and you know the bars are rolling out onto the streets and it's a Sunday night I mean I, I can only imagine how hard it's going to be for a lot of those people to make it into work tomorrow um, so discussing fear on a day with, with like St. Patty's Day I think works really well because there's a lot to be said for how I stepped into sobriety with a certain amount of fear, trepidation, 
about how am I going to handle myself around alcohol whenever it finds its way in front of me, which is, it's impossible for it not to, right? Unless you move on some, you know, rare exotic island where alcohol doesn't exist, you're in the United States of America, you're going to run across it at some point. And overall, it, alcohol being anywhere near me, it doesn't bother me. I, I still work at a, a, a restaurant and I'm still a bartender and I, I'm very much around alcohol on those days that I'm there, which I'm starting to become less and less, but still you walk in and there are 175 bottles of alcohol all around you. Now, it's easy for me not to drink at work because I, I never did. You know, uh, well, okay, let's take away the word never there. In college, there were jobs I had where you were allowed to consume alcohol at them. But I didn't drink alcohol at jobs I wasn't allowed to consume alcohol at. And I actually got fired at one of my favorite jobs because I we were allowed to consume alcohol. And so I didn't have an off switch. And once it touched my lips, well, here comes, you know, Frank, here comes Frank the Tank. And so, um, so that's not an issue there. And in fact, you know, this morning somebody uh, wanted a Bloody Mary at six in the morning. And I just, you know, I just remember thinking, I'm, so how blessed I am to not be that person anymore looking for a drink at six in the morning. So when it comes to the fear of having alcohol around me, that is not something that I deal with on a regular basis. You know, in fact, I walked into my kitchen this morning and my roommate had some friends over last night and there's a bottle of vodka and a bottle of Jameson sitting on my kitchen cabinet. My two very absolute favorite alcohol beverages, vodka and Jameson. Vodka of any style. It, it could have been vodka that a dog drank out of. It could have been, a, a, it did not matter. I could have come, I'll, I could come up with some worse things that are more gross, but I won't. Just Leave it at that. If there was vodka in a cup and I didn't have anything else in a, in a clean bottle, I would drink that vodka. <laughs> I remember being so hungover from a party I threw one time that I went around and if I found a, a cup that that uh, looked like it uh, hadn't been, like no cigarette butts or anything had been put into it, I poured it into a, a pan and I boiled the pan of, of like, it was like this pink lemonade juice vodka thing we made and I heated it up to what I assumed was a temperature that would kill off anybody's cooties <laughs> and I spent the rest of the day drinking it oh my goodness so let's 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 and seeing none moving on so let's discuss fear because for me and you know for many of you no doubt the fear of being around alcohol or drugs now that we've stepped into sobriety has is very apparent um, I saw someone today on day nine from off Chardonnay, off alcohol in general, but she had specifically said Lady Chardonnay. And, you know, reading what she talks about, I, I hear uh, a lot of like fear of fear of failure, fear of what will happen, fear, fear of future, future, future. That's to me where fear lies. Fear lies in the future. Um, I am doing a life coaching training with a woman named Brooke Castillo and in February, she had us listen to her podcast about fear. So I'm going to pull some some information from hers because this helps me internalize it as well as I think that she is hands down one of the best podcasts out there. When you're done listening to me, I would highly recommend you type in the Life Coaching School. Um, it is absolutely phenomenal. Brooke Castillo, she is amazing. So now that I plugged her and I did not get a sponsorship for that, mind you add, I'm actually paying her. So, um, she 
and she's right about this. I went and Googled it. The definition of fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. Now, for those of us, let's dissect that. For those of us who are who quit using alcohol, drugs, whatever, food, you know, cutting yourself, uh, whatever it might be, Everything is on the table here, guys. Everything. If, if, if there is something that you have battled through that has caused your life to have problems, that has led you to suffering, led you to pain, then that counts. An unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. Based on that definition, then the vice of choice could be that, th- that th- then you believe that alcohol or drugs or food or cutting is something that will bring danger towards you and will cause you pain or is a threat. All right. Now when broken down like that, absolutely. If putting any kind of substance into your body that would cause you to relapse, that would cause you to go back to the way things were before, that is a threat, right? It is a, it is a threat if you do it. It is not a threat when it is around you. I brought this up in one of my metal meetings the other day. We were talking about fear, and, and I discussed how it was expectation-based, how, how fear comes from being afraid that something will hurt you in the future. Right? If you're afraid that if you go to a bar that you would, be, that you would drink, then you're afraid in the, that of in a future event that may or may not occur. If you're standing in the bar and you're afraid that you're going to go up to the bar and drink, that is still a future event. You still have to walk yourself to the bar. You have to knowingly order it. You have to knowingly pay for it. You have to knowingly hold it in your hand. You have to knowingly smell it. You have to knowingly drink it. There is so many steps. I I know I said this in a previous podcast. The likelihood somebody's going to hold you down, duct tape you to a table, and force a drug or alcohol into your body is not likely. (laughs) <laughs> back when I was using if somebody wanted to kidnap me and say we're going to make you drink this whole barrel of Jameson I'd be like oh please no please no so when we're thinking about fear let's dissect what that is so that we can begin to have courage and control and clarity over what fear actually is um, so my a couple keys I got here in my notes and I'll be sharing those over on uh, if you go to Podbean you'll be able to check out the notes they lay out a little bit better than iTunes. Um, one, fear is a natural human experience. Two, we use our courage to create our capability and we use our cap our, our capabilities to create our confidence. This is a direct quote from Brooke Castillo. I loved it so much. I can't wait to share it with you. And then I've said this before. She said it. I read it in a few other books based on fear. Um, if and so my take on it is if you're not feeling fear, then you're not pushing yourself outside your comfort zone. All right. You have to use your courage to move through feel, fear. And there's a little side note on this that think about something that you're very comfortable doing versus something that you don't do very often. Then you might have fear to the, very, uh, to the unoften action, whereas something that you do frequently, there's very little to no fear. I don't have fear when I get into my car of an accident. I would certainly hope there is not one. I follow all the rules as best as I possibly can. So to avoid an accident, I don't drive on the opposite side of the road or, or, or run through red lights. Right? Like I'm not an idiot. 
But at the same time, I'm not sitting there the whole time white knuckling at a frame that I'm going to be in an accident. You know those drivers you've seen where it's like they drive so cautious they're actually causing accidents behind them. Okay, so these are the these are these are the three main things I want you guys to take out about fear. And so we're gonna go and we're gonna again we're gonna dissect these a little bit more. Uh, one, fear is a natural human experience. All right, I mean this is something that no doubt you've heard. Just every emotion that you can possibly think of is a natural human experience. You're gonna feel happiness, sadness, joy, depression, um, the feeling of splendid, fear, uh, guilt, shame. I mean, these are things that just come, right? They come and go. That, like I've said before, and, and like Brooks taught me, that the worst thing that can happen is that a, is a feeling, right? You you'll have a thought that'll lead to a feeling, and so when you're, it's like when people get panic attacks. That's just the that's the fear of the fear overwhelming them so much that they just go off it they they can't stop themselves and then they they can't control their breathing and they they've got all this other stuff that starts to come to them. Really realizing that fear is a natural human experience is great. Right? This gives you an opportunity to walk into it. You know, to to settle yourself down, um relax into it, you know, not to fight it off. Right? If I, for those of you who are new, right, I, by no means am I telling you not, no, by no means am I telling you to walk into a bar to face your fear if you, if, you, if you are not prepared for that. At some point, though, you will need to. At some point, you will need to put yourself out there so that you know that if you happen to go to a party or you happen to go to a mixer, you happen to go to a work event, and there's an open bar over there, that you're not going to lose your mind. I mean, if you have to leave, and if you have to leave, you have to leave, right? Don't ever think that I would ever say any otherwise, and don't ever let anyone tell you that, you know, to feel guilty. Be like, no, no, you know what? I, I just wasn't feeling it tonight. Some days I'm feeling it, some days I'm not. And tonight I was just not feeling it, and that's okay. And you should be proud of yourself for making that decision and rolling out of there before you kept getting tempted by the devil. That being said. I'm a big proponent of putting myself in situations that I know are going to be uncomfortable and stepping into that uncomfort to make it comfortable. I've got 26 months. By no means it was this easy at first. Walking into the restaurant, again, super easy. Super, super easy. Because I didn't drink there. Alcohol was never my thing there. It's like I don't, whenever I'm on the microphone, whenever I'm hosting an event, when I'm speaking on stage, when I'm at the hotel, whatever it might be, I don't use profanity, right? There's a switch, you know, back a long, long, long time ago, uh, when I first moved to Orlando, when I left Ball State University, um, I took jobs at Wet n Wild, Universal Studios, SeaWorld, and uh, Disney World. And they put you through some rigorous training. And it was made very, very clear that even if you stepped into a beehive and they went, you know, all wasp action on you, you were not to use profanity anywhere near guests. And I just put that in there. I was like, okay, bloop. And so it doesn't happen. It's very, it's, it's the same way at work. Tell me I can't drink. Fine. That's not even a problem because I want that job. I need that job. I, Back in the day, how else was I going to afford my booze? If I didn't have that job now, how am I going to afford this amazing life where I'm able to spend a majority of my time um, go, being a professional speaker and, and coaching people and doing this podcast and still making sure that I can pay my bills 
um, because Los Angeles is an expensive city, right? Like you got you to know how to juggle things. You have to know how to balance things. Fear is a natural human experience. I step into that. I step into fear when I get on this microphone. Will I say the right thing? Will I, will I help people, right? But really that's an expectation. If you don't expect anything, I expect to get on here and tell you guys how I feel about fear. My experiences, my journey with it, my understanding of it, and how I've traveled through it. That's it. If it benefits you, excellent. For me, the whole reason I launched this thing was I just had to get this information in my head out of my brain and through my mouth and out there into the world. Even if only 100 people listen to it, that's 100 people I've helped make better. That's 100 people whose lives I could have changed just with one thing that they needed to hear. And there we go into key two. We use our courage to create our capability, and we use that capability to create our confidence. You know, when I first moved to Los Angeles, uh, you know, I I wanted to, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I was pretty sure I thought I was the funniest human alive and that I was immediately going to do some improv, do some stand-up, and have my own show within a year. All right, well, here we are on year 10, and it has been an amazing journey, but quite the struggle. Right, but even getting on stage at Second City, when getting on the microphone at the comedy store, getting on this microphone, while I have a lot more experience with podcasts, I've probably done over 75 podcasts for various shows. I did a web series for 50 episodes, I did news for a year. Like, I've got a lot of experience on a microphone, right? So, I use my courage to create my, my capability, my capability to be confident on a microphone and use, and use my my trained skills and, and some natural ability to be able to say things eloquently and fluidly in order to get a point across and make it easy for everybody to understand and be able to um, see, there you go, all that, all those fun words. And I just dropped it to be able to understand, to be able to efficiently, um, not intricate, um, it, be able to absorb into their life, right? Like if I give you information, I want you to be able to, to, Turn it actionable into your life very quickly. See, there you go. Start talking about how good you are at doing something. <laughs> and the universe will be like, really? Bop. How about you forget those two words that you say all the time? Um, and through getting on the microphone and talking a lot and being able to get up on stage and talking and coaching, right, I increase my capability. And by cre- increasing my capability, I create the confidence I'm going to need to cr- increase my capability even more. So instead of getting overwhelmed by fear that I'll say the wrong thing on stage, now I know that I've done it before. And even when I've made a mistake, it wasn't anything that caused like the internet to melt down. So I ask you, is what is something where you can use your courage to create the capability and then use that to create confidence? Once you are, you know, you can't hide from, you know, if, if you use, you know, cocaine, heroin, meth, LSD, you use some of those drugs, you can steer away from those things. That's, to me, something that is substantially easier because they're just not, as society goes, as they're, they're not as welcomed, right? You, you can't just you know, be walking down the street snorting a plate of blow. Like, that's not going to fly. You can be walking down the street with a brown paper bag and a 40 inside of it, and most people are just going to walk by and not say much of anything. Only the cops might bust your chops, and certainly not in Hollywood, at least not often. Right, so for those of you who were at a really major drug abuse problem, so certainly you can steer away from those things. Now, if you have to go see your friends or be in the neighborhood or be around people who were also doing that, who might still be doing that now, that becomes more difficult. Right, I, 
I couldn't even fathom what that must be like to like want to quit using and be living with other people who are using or have it in a neighborhood where it's always there. But then here comes alcohol. Right, if you have the courage to be around people who are drinking, it creates the cap- it creates the capability to be around people that are drinking, which gives you the confidence to be around people who are drinking. And then time after time after time, all of a sudden, it's not going to bother you so much. I meet plenty of people out at parties and whatnot who've got five, ten, twenty, forty years who they're not even noticing it. They, you know, they, there's there's celebrities who I, I've researched who have been sober for longer than I was drinking. And I didn't even realize. You would never know. I didn't realize, right? They're all, they're doing their thing. You know, these people are going to some fly parties with expensive bottles of booze and drugs all around them, and they're not touching it, right? So the ability is there. Other humans have proven that it's possible. You just have to be willing to step into that fear, use your courage to overcome the fear, and then be able to use that that courage you gain from over from pushing through. You won't even necessarily overcome it. You'll just push through it. You might always feel a little tweak of it in there, right? When I go to a party and there's going to be heavy alcohol use or, you know, I happen to see a bottle of Jameson on my kitchen cabinet and all of a sudden it's like, mm, boy, what could you do with that, right? It looks like you step through the fear with the courage that creates the capability to know that you can do that, which creates the confidence. Thus, it becomes this big looping effect of courage to capability to confidence. All right, when you have experience doing something often versus something you rarely do, what's, what's your confidence in that? Right. If you've always played the guitar and then then you have great confidence, no problem picking that up. Now, if somebody hands you a harmonica and you've never wailed on that, you might think, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? Now you're afraid of getting on stage with a harmonica in your hand. The more you do something, the less fearful you are of it. Thus, it's because you've created that confidence through the courage you've used to get through that fear. It's amazing if you just break it down and allow yourself to really understand what that is, right? Fear is, is protective when we need it, but it's harmless when it's not. I mean, think back in the day when we were living in caves, fear was necessary because if we heard a rattle, we knew there was a snake nearby. If we heard a, a growl, we knew that there was an animal getting ready to eat us. Like we're still running around with these reptilian brains at times, Right, but we got to step in through the reptilian brain, which is all you know, action like immediacy kind of based, and into the mammalian brain that allows us to feel from the heart and really understand what are, what's going on in our emotions, and then step into, you know, it's I think it's called the triune brain, and I don't remember what the third level is, but basically it's like the higher sense of self. But it goes reptilian, mammalian then I want to say it's something like the higher sense of self where you're really able to dive into yourself and find out why it is you feel the way you do about certain things and, and be able to push through and uncover the programming that caused you to feel that way and then to be able to adjust it and then quote-unquote heal yourself from it and move through it. And that brings me to key three. If you're not feeling fear, then you're not pushing yourself outside your comfort zone. Use your courage to move through that fear. Right, Going back to key two, if you use that courage to create that capability and that capability creates the confidence, right? then the more you push yourself outside your comfort zone, the more comfortable you get with that. And I've been using this throughout the show about using an alcohol and drugs, but now I'm going to blow your mind because I'm going to say, look, once we've said goodbye to that past life, we've stepped into this new version of ourselves, then... 
more than likely the fear of using is gone. But now there's a fear of the emotions that we've been running from. The, now there's the fear of apologizing to people whose feelings we hurt. Right? And don't even get me started on how you can't really hurt anyone's feelings, but that came out of my mouth, and that's for a different episode. Let's keep moving on. <laughs> uh, sometimes I catch myself saying stuff. I'm like, yep, you don't believe that, but it's like it's still there. Like the programming's still there, and I'm working through it, and together we will work through this. So this is important to understand that once you stepped into sobriety and moved into recovery, Yes, people have relapsed after three months, six months, a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years. People have done that. And we all have probably heard through one meeting or another that relapse starts way before it actually happens. And we can get into that at at another occasion. For now, let's just stick to this. More than likely, when you got sober and you moved into recovery, there was a lot of things that you were afraid of. Being around the people you used to party with, being around people who's, who you used to have emotional entanglements with, going around those people that you acted the fool in front of. Uh, how are you going to handle a, a traumatic experience in your life without being able to turn to your best friend, your vice? Right? There's tons of fears. I don't have to give you any more examples. The moment I said, what is a fear you had stepping into sobriety, it was there. It's like if I told you not to think about a pink elephant, you're thinking about a pink elephant right now. If I told you, think about something you were afraid of when you got sober, I'd be willing to bet 20 things rolled through your head just now. You know, it doesn't stop at one. Yeah, sure. There was the fear you might you might have to wake up and go through withdrawals or the fear of being around booze or drugs and not being able to use or food or cutting, whatever it might be. But oh boy, what happens once you get used to the, the, the vice not being around anymore? Now you got to deal with the shit that's really deep down in there. Now you got to deal with the stuff that you were trying to run from that caused you to get addicted to in the first place. You have to get yourself in an uncomfortable place to grow. I love working out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, one to three. I shred it when I go in there, right? I turn on my music. I get totally into it. I get super focused. That's all I'm thinking about. My mind might start to go off and do its own little thing, but then in the moment I get in position, whatever the workout, whatever the exercise is for those particular sets, man, that's it. I've messed around and not been thinking whenever I picked up a 185-pound inclined bench press bar before and wasn't realizing the order at which it came in the workout and that I was already taxed and that I was not prepared to do that without a spotter. And I dragged that bar all the way down my face and it landed on my collarbone. And luckily, I didn't break my collarbone. And luckily, someone was near enough to notice, like, holy shit, this guy's fucked right now. I'm sorry I'm using all this profanity. I'm a little bit excited because I really feel like after 26 minutes, I might be getting my point across to you that if you have to push yourself out of your comfort zone to grow, feeling fear is normal. Feeling pain is normal. Feeling suffering is not. You move toward the pain, which releases the suffering. All right? Pain is inevitable. It's going to happen whether you're lifting weights or you're eating or you're, you're drinking. I mean, it's like you did all that, right? The pain was inevitable. It was going to come. It was the suffering. Every time we said, I'm never doing this again, and then we did it, that's when the suffering became more pronounced. It's like we know this is bad for us. We know we shouldn't be doing this, and yet here we still are. There are so many areas in your life where you're continuing a behavior you know you shouldn't be because you're afraid to step into this new reality, this new world that you know is there for you, right? Because you're comfortable 
I'm comfortable with this bottle of booze. I'm comfortable in this in this relationship. I'm comfortable with with in this job. I'm comfortable in this career journey. I'm comfortable in this at this weight. I'm comfortable in these shoes. Whatever it is, right? If you're not pushing yourself harder, then you're not growing. And if you're not growing in the sunshine, then you're dying in the shadows. And it's imperative that it's like if a flower is afraid of growing so everyone notices it, it's going to hide behind a tree and it's never going to grow and it's going to die. It has to come out from behind whatever might be in front of it, has to reach for that sun and become the beautiful blossoming flower it was always meant to be. All right, when you when you're when you when when I think that I'm going to be afraid, when I think that I feel fear coming on, what it is I'm afraid of is the emotion that could happen. I'm afraid of what might happen in the future. It's future based. Oh my goodness, what happens if I, you know, oh my god, I'm sober and well, you know, somebody might, somebody asked me the other day, "Well, are you going to be sober for the rest of your life?" Oh, hell no, we're not talking about that. I am not even going to ask myself if I'm still sober at 52. That is 10 years from now. That is 3,650 days from now. 365 days a year. Yeah, that is way too many days. Let's worry about today. Let's not even worry about today. Let's take care of today. I'm confident in tomorrow. I'll worry about the next day after that. All right? Right now, it's all about Sunday and Monday. You know, listening to Eckhart Tolle, um, the Oprah Winfrey series that they're running about the new world. I'm on episode three of it. And he is talking about it is the ego that wants to think about the future. It is the self that is focused on itself and not thinking about the now that's causing you to look into the future. Fear is future based. Fear is expectation based. Fear is all about what might happen. It's like, you know what worrying is? Worrying is like praying for something bad to happen. That's what worrying is. It's like you just keep running in your head. I really hope I don't get a bad grade on the test. I really hope I don't get a bad grade on the test. I really hope I don't get a bad grade on the test. Well, I mean, what do you think your mind's thinking? First of all, the mind doesn't think in negatives. I hope I don't get a bad grade. All it's thinking is, okay, get a bad grade. Cool. Got it. You've repeated that like 185 times in the last two days. I know what I'm supposed to do. So instead of being like, well, I hope I really, I hope I don't go out with my friends tonight and drink. I hope I don't, you know, meet my girlfriend or boyfriend and say something stupid. Think I'm going to meet my girlfriend or boyfriend and I am going to be joyful and and fun and um, talkative and we're going to have a good time. I am going to go to that networking mixer for work and I'm going to have a blast and I'm not going to have to stand in line at the bar and chase the buzz and be that person who makes a fool of themselves and wakes up the next day and wonders, oh my God, do I still have a job? Right? Like think of it positively. And when you and when you're still battling that, then look just keep in mind my three keys. Fear is a natural human experience. We use our courage to create a capability and we use that to create our confidence. Again, thank you so much, Brooke Castillo, for a majority of the notes from this. Um, because she so help she just helps me be able to put into words so much of this passion that I feel. And I can't wait to dive back into this topic down the road. Um, one of the little points I put is that when you experience something 
more and more and more, you become less and less and less afraid of it, right? And if you're not feeling fear, then you're not pushing yourself outside your comfort zone. I'm not saying that if you just got into sobriety and recovery that you need to go to the next cocaine party that you hear about. But if you're afraid of going to the gym because other people are in better shape or you're afraid of, of walking up to that person and introducing your introducing yourself, if you're afraid of getting a better job because you hate the one that you're currently in, push yourself outside your comfort zone. Right? Even if you're not in sobriety and recovery and maybe one of your family members is or maybe you just stumbled upon this and you thought, well, I'll give this a whirl, somewhere in your life you're not pushing yourself outside your comfort zone and then you're wondering why you're not happy with that particular area of your life. If I went into the gym and every single day just did a 30-pound bicep curl, my arms would not get any bigger than they are now. I have to lift weights that are difficult. Sometimes I have to break form to get those last one or two to get my muscles to know that they can lift that much weight that many times. You have to step into the negative emotion, and that is when you use your courage to overcome fear. And overcoming fear gives you the confidence to continue to overcome fear. And by God, when you do that, that is when you start to have the life that you truly have desired for as long as you can think. When you can step into that fear and you can overcome it, you be, it's like you're a video game, right? You're born with this, with zero courage, zero fear, zero anything, and you, you, you start to grow it throughout your life. And now you're here and you're, whatever's going on in your life, you found me, you're listening to me, and you're thinking, okay, where, now you're at a video game. Now maybe fear is at 100 and courage is at 10. And you got to keep stepping into battle. And yeah, you're going to take some dings, right? You're, you know, but just like in the video game, you don't die off one shot. You don't die off one sword blade. You, 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 you've got points to give up here, right? And whenever you do, ding, 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 and you start losing some fear, you start gaining some confidence because you stepped outside your comfort shell. Awesome, guys. So for those of you today who, uh, well, you're not listening to this today anymore, but for those of you who've stepped outside of your old self and became this new, better, amazing, sparkling, stronger, more vibrant version of yourself. And if you don't feel like you're there, I assure you, you're on the way. If that is something that you are truly, if that is the intention you had when you stepped into sobriety and recovery, then you're manifesting it and you will become that. And you already are. You just need to start seeing it in yourself. And if other people don't see it in you, to hell with those people. What you see in yourself when you're looking back in the mirror, let it be what you really see not what you think other people see. You made it through St. Patty's Day, one of the biggest drinking days of the year. Next up, Cinco de Mayo. I don't think there's anything in April, maybe tax time. (laughs) Um, Awesome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on my episode about fear. This has been a wonderful time with you. Uh, Again, you're amazing, amazing human beings for making this decision in your life. If you know someone who is suffering from addiction, be there for them, support support them uh, when you can, know when to use tough love and make them step into themselves and be they are responsible for themselves. You are not responsible for them. You can only do so much, right? Secondary gain here. Stop, stop being that support system for them if they continuously abuse you and take advantage. Know where... We know when to say when and step out of that fear when you start thinking, well, if I don't do it, who will, right? People have to take responsibility for themselves, and that's just the way that life is. 
That is the exact, that is the way that life is. So that's it, guys. Episode 11 in the books, all about fear. As always, check me out on all the podcasting apps, whatever you're listening to. Don't listen to me on all the podcasting apps. Listen to me on your favorite podcasting app. Um, you'll be able to find all of those links to, on my Instagram page um, from sobriety to recovery. So if you're looking to share this podcast, just tell everyone to go to, to the Instagram account from sobriety to recovery. Follow me there. Hit my bio link. Um, all the there's four links there now. I think the only one I'm left to put up is iHeartRadio. I love you all so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for honoring me with your time to listen to me discuss fear today and for all the times that you've listened to me. If you want to know more about what I've got going on in my life with my public speaking and with my life coaching, jump over to jessemogul.com. It is a work in progress, uh, at least this week, but for some of you who won't listen to this for a while, it is up and running and it is good to go. As always, um, you know, subscribe, rate, review, do things that will give me the the social proof that other people need to see. I don't need to see it, but I do love the encouragement. I can assure you, I love the encouragement. As always, um, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Take care of everyone. And again, my name is Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. Be well. Be well.